What is up everyone? It's Quinn here and in today's video I'm going to be going through my updated rest of season rankings at every single position. So running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends. Uh, this video will include updates from the uh, Eagles and Vikings Thursday night matchup. So you know maybe some minor shifts here or there. I'm thinking I'll probably do an updated video on my rest of season rankings maybe like every three weeks. I did just want to do one after week one because even though it is only one week of a sample size, I feel like we did have a lot of questions answered, you know, specific roles players would have, how certain offenses looked. So I think it would just be an interesting opportunity to kind of go through, just talk about maybe some shifts I had heading into week one compared to now looking at my rest of season rankings. If you guys uh, enjoy the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and let's just jump right into it. We're going to start off at the running back position and starting off in tier one. These are pretty much going to be my top six running backs, just locked in stud running back ones moving forward. It's Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Bijan Robinson, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, and Nick Chubb. You know, I feel like you could maybe flip-flop Eckler and Bijan, Pollard, Saquon, Chubb. Some people may order those guys in a variety of different ways. This is how I have it. These are just going to be your locked-in stud running backs rest of season. And then my second tier at the running back position, these are also going to be my running back ones. Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, Derrick Henry, Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall, and Ramondre Stevenson. So looking at Josh Jacobs, he is someone who I'd have in tier one if he was locked into a long-term contract. I still have some concerns that once we get towards the end of the season, if the Raiders aren't super competitive, if they're not in playoff contention, I think there is a risk of Josh Jacobs sitting out to end the year, you know, could be the last few weeks, which could really hurt your fantasy team. If that was not like a risk I thought was possible, he would be up in that uh, tier one. So if you do feel good about him long-term, you know, you could uh, toss him up in that area. Travis Etienne, he was someone I was kind of low on heading into the season. Through one week, it's definitely looking like I made the wrong call there. While Tank Bigsby was involved on the goal line, Travis Etienne had great receiving usage in week one. On a top offense, we know Travis Etienne is a great pure runner. Even without the goal line work, I think he's going to be a very, very valuable running back. It's possible that Tank Bigsby starts to eat into his workload throughout the season, but week one, I think, was a great sign for Travis Etienne. Behind ETN, I have Derrick Henry, and Henry is kind of in an interesting spot here because we saw him get out-snapped by Tajay Spears. That was pretty shocking to me. I don't think anyone was expecting that. Now, Derrick Henry still handled a really strong workload, but it's clear they really like Tajay Spears. They want him out on the field, and I don't think the Titans hate the idea of using another kind of complimentary back to Derrick Henry and not having him have this massive workload. The issue here for Derrick Henry is that a lot of his upside is kind of contingent on him having this massive workload because he's not someone who's going to command a ton of volume as a pass catcher. So if he's not getting that, you know, insane workload, I do think he gets bumped down a little bit. Like Derrick Henry with a massive workload is probably up there in that top tier. So that's why, you know, may have moved him down a few spots, but still someone who I view as a top 10 running back. Jameer Gibbs, I think he's going to expand on his role throughout the season. Still very high on him. Brees Hall's honestly a tough guy to rank because obviously the loss of Aaron Rodgers is massive for him. But then I feel like we also had, you know, kind of great news, which is that he came back and balled out. Like, I don't think anyone was expecting him to come in and perform as well as he did in week one. First game off the ACL, he looked explosive. He was breaking off runs, clearly looked like the better running back from day one. So I think he'll continue to expand on his role. His ceiling is probably going to be capped within this offense, 
But even last year, we saw him early on. This was not a strong offense. It was led by Zach Wilson, and he was still giving you strong fantasy production. So I still think he definitely belongs in like the running back one discussion. And then to wrap up this tier with Ramondre Stevenson, he'll be in somewhat of a split with Ezekiel Elliott, but he's still going to be getting a lot of the important touches in that backfield and just leading that backfield as a whole. Moving into tier three, we have Kenneth Walker, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, and Jonathan Taylor. Kind of a variety of different players here. Kenneth Walker, someone I definitely moved up for my preseason rankings. He had a really strong role in week one. Zach Charbonnet really was not involved, which was kind of surprising to me because they spent a second round pick on him. You would have thought, you know, he'd be more involved heading into week one, especially considering the fact that Kenneth Walker missed a lot of time throughout the uh, preseason and training camp. But Kenneth Walker's role is looking really good. The other player I want to talk about in this tier is Jonathan Taylor. It's really tough to rank both him and Cooper Cup. We'll get to that with the uh, wide receivers. We don't know if he's going to play this year. We don't know if he's going to be back after he's off the pup. Is he going to get traded? Is he going to sign an extension with the Colts? There's just a lot up in the air. If Jonathan Taylor's on the field, he's a locked in running back one. So you kind of just got to weigh the pros and cons here. Obviously, there's crazy upside, but there's also the possibility that he's just a nothing for you on your roster the entire season. Moving into tier four, smaller tier, James Cook, Damian Pierce, Javante Williams. I think James Cook usage in week one was very encouraging. The lead back on a top tier Buffalo Bills offense is going to be valuable. Damian Pierce, a little bit disappointing in week one, but uh, their coaching staff kind of came out, talked about how they shouldn't have gone away from Damian Pierce. So that's a positive note moving forward. So mid-tier running back two. And then Javante Williams, decent workload in week one, expecting him to expand on that moving forward. Now, tier five is going to be a very, very large tier. And this was kind of like the range of running backs that everyone was arguing over. Some people really liked certain guys. Other people, you know, went in a totally different direction. But leading this tier, I'm actually going to have DeAndre Swift. Some people may think this is an overreaction. Overall, I don't feel super high on this tier in general. So I think that DeAndre Swift is someone who could kind of slide to the top. And this is coming from someone who is not super high on Swift um, heading into the season. Obviously, Kenneth Gainwell led this backfield in week one, but he's currently injured. And it's not like this was a situation where Kenneth Gainwell was like a game time decision. They ruled him out the day before, at least the day before. So maybe he continues to miss time. But all I know is that DeAndre Swift was wildly impressive last night. Kenneth Gainwell had a solid workload in week one. He, you know, did okay with it. But DeAndre Swift really capitalized on the opportunity to just handle a ton of touches in this offense. He looked great as a pure runner, which I think is kind of like the main criticism he's had throughout his NFL career. And just looking at these other running backs, I think DeAndre Swift is probably the most talented running back in this tier. And he's also probably attached to the best uh, rushing attack in the NFL. So he's going to lead this tier. It's possible once Gainwell gets back, this is kind of a committee, but I'm kind of willing to take the risk here on DeAndre Swift because the lead back in the Eagles offense and one that can catch passes on top of that is going to be very valuable. Behind DeAndre Swift and Najee Harris, I was not high on Najee coming into the season and I have moved him down in my rankings. Rough week one from the Steelers. I'm more concerned though about the split here with Jalen Warren. This is not going to be rookie year Najee Harris where he has a like 80% opportunity share. This is probably going to be a 60-40 backfield split and that's with Jalen Warren probably getting a lot of receiving work. So it's a decent split and Najee also isn't taking all the valuable touches. He'll probably get the goal line work, but some of that receiving work is going to go to Jalen Warren. So I think at this point, he's kind of like a back end uh, running back two. If someone is willing to buy him at his uh, week one price or heading into week one price, 
I would definitely be looking to sell. 22, and also in tier five, I have Alvin Kamara. Coming off the suspension, the three-game suspension, I think he'll be a solid running back to, you know, from week four on. David Montgomery led the Lions backfield in week one. I do think Jameer Gibbs is going to overtake him as the much more valuable fantasy asset, but someone who will still be involved week to week and should be a uh, goal line opportunity guy. Rashad White, not great in week one. The workload was really strong, but he really didn't capitalize on it. We'll see if he's able to hold on to that uh, role. I think he has a decent shot potentially of holding on to that role just because he's like a younger option, still kind of viewed as you know a potential prospect at the position. Behind him, I have Miles Sanders. Didn't get the workhorse role people were kind of talking about heading into the season, but was still very involved in week one. James Conner next. He's probably just going to continue to handle a massive workload on a terrible offense. That workload could be taken away at any time, but we've seen them just want to force feed him in the past two seasons. Doesn't seem like they're uh, kind of changing that up here in year three for James Conner with the Cardinals. Then to wrap up this tier, Brian Robinson, Alexander Madison, and Raheem Mostert. Brian Robinson really took control of that commander's backfield. I don't think he has that lockdown rest of season, but right now it's looking good. Alexander Madison, he definitely took a tumble after this uh, Thursday night game. Even though his usage is really strong, he's just not very good. Like if we're being blunt, he is not someone who deserves to handle a massive amount of opportunities every single game. I think the Vikings are going to realize that whether they turn this into a committee with Ty Chandler or they go out, they get a Leonard Fournette they get a Kareem Hunt. I struggle to believe they're going to continue to force feed Alexander Madison throughout the entire season. Like, I don't think you can look at these top two games and say like that is our best path to success offensively. So Madison, he does take a hit in these rankings. The volume has been good. I just don't think it's sustainable. And then Raheem Mostert, he'll have a few more weeks as the clear running back one. And then we'll kind of see what happens with Jeff Wilson, Devin A-Chain. But right now he's in a good spot. And then tier six, starting it off with Kyron Williams. I do think he's the running back to own in this uh, Rams backfield. Then we've got some kind of backup running backs, Joshua Kelly, Tyler Algier. These are guys who are going to have weekly involvement, but also carry really strong handcuff upside. Behind those two, uh, Isaiah Pacheco should be the lead back for the Chiefs, but right now it's definitely a committee. Khalil Herbert, kind of the same thing for the Bears. Probably will be the lead guy early on, but I think Roshan will definitely gain on him. Um, Kenneth Gainwell up next. I'm really high on DeAndre Swift, but I also think Gainwell is interesting because maybe something happens to Swift. Maybe they just end up going right back to Gainwell. I still think he's someone who's relevant for fantasy because at worst, he's going to be the running back too, which is the role that Swift just had. And Swift was still definitely rosterable heading into week two, even prior to the Gainwell injury. And then wrapping up tier six with Samaj Pirine. So those are going to be the running backs. Now moving over to the wide receiver position, starting off in tier one, we're going to have a top seven. It's Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Amon Ross St. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, and Calvin Ridley. I've swapped uh, Tyreek Hill and Jamar Chase. Hill's ceiling is just crazy week to week. Uh, Mike McDaniels continues to just kind of scheme stuff up to get him open, really setting him up for success. Him and Tua looked great in week one, so gave him the slight edge over Chase, who had a tough start with uh, Joe Burrow. And then really the other notable move in this tier was Calvin Ridley bumping up to tier one. Uh, Ridley was someone I was high on heading into the season. I believe I had him as my wide receiver 12. Pretty sure I had him ahead of Devonta Smith and ahead of T Higgins, but uh, just behind Chris Olave. He looked great in week one. Looks like a true legit alpha wide receiver one for the Jaguars. I'm very high on this Jaguars offense. And I think that Calvin really is going to continue to feast. Then in tier two, we have Devonte Adams, AJ Brown, Chris Olave. 
I think all three of these guys are stud wide receivers. Just think they have like, you know, a thing here or there kind of holding them back. For Devontae Adams, will Jimmy G really be able to get like that elite wide receiver upside out of Devontae Adams? For AJ Brown, this is just a pretty run heavy offense with also some really strong offensive weapons. So the volume is just not going to be there super consistently, but still a very talented wide receiver. And then Chris Olave looks like a stud here in year two. We'll see if Derek Carr is able to play at a decently high level throughout the season. Does have some target competition, but I still think he's a locked in top 10 wide receiver. Um, And then tier three, four players in this tier. This is like the wide receiver two tier on top offenses plus Keenan Allen. So we're going to have Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, T Higgins, and then Keenan Allen, Waddle, Smith, Higgins, all strong options, you know, fringe wide receiver ones, even though they're the number two on their own offense. And then Keenan Allen, I'm very high on this Chargers offense, and I do view Keenan Allen as the top wide receiver option. Tier four, we're going to start it off with Garrett Wilson. Wilson is just a tough player to rank heading into the season. He was like a mid-tier wide receiver one for me. Really liked to see that year two leap he was going to take with Aaron Rodgers. He definitely takes a hit with A-Rod going down, but I don't think he's completely cooked for fantasy. Like I feel like some people are just going to completely tank him from their rankings. I just feel like there are different pathways for him to find success. I think even if Zach Wilson is really bad, at worst, Garrett Wilson is probably like a weekly wide receiver three. But there's also a path that maybe Zach Wilson overperforms. He's better than we think. He's kind of settled down, settles into the role, and then he can support Garrett Wilson to wide receiver two production. There's also an opportunity for them to go out, get a veteran, whether that's after Zach Wilson performs poorly or, you know, whatever happens. They get a veteran who can support him or maybe they end up making like a huge trade and they get like a Kyler Murray post ACL or something like that. Obviously, that's probably a long shot, but I don't think that we can just lock in Garrett Wilson to just have terrible QB play rest of season. There are ways for that to shake up. We know he's a very talented wide receiver. So if you view him lower, I get it. This is just where I'm going to have him right now. Um, 16, Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, guys who are kind of leading crowded wide receiver rooms. I have Debo and Ayuk back to back. Not totally all in on Ayuk as like the top target in this offense. I think Debo's going to have his games. Ayuk obviously is going to have his like we saw in week one. And then uh, also in this tier, Cooper Cup. Tough guy to rank like I talked about with Jonathan Taylor. So he goes on IR. So he's out for at least the first four weeks. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be back ready to go in week five, right? He could miss more time. But when healthy, went on the field, Cooper Cup is a high-end wide receiver one. And I mean, we just saw uh, Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell put up 100 plus yard games. Cooper Cup steps in there. It's going to be high-end wide receiver one production. And then the last few players in this tier, Jondre Hopkins, Mike Williams, Christian Watson. Hopkins currently dealing with an ankle injury. Hopefully he's able to get healthy, stay healthy. Saw a really strong number of targets in week one. Then we have Mike Williams, been high on Mike Williams, still high on him after week one. Didn't do anything crazy, but didn't flop or anything. Um, Left the game kind of early on with an injury, came back in, so didn't log the full set of snaps. Still like Mike Williams as a back-end wide receiver too. And then Christian Watson, hopefully we get to see him play here in week two. Really like the upside he has at the wide receiver position. Then moving into tier five, kind of an interesting mix of options here. Going to start it off with Michael Pittman. I think the Colts prove they're not scared to let Anthony Richardson go out and throw the ball. And Michael Pittman is his clear wide receiver one. Then we have DJ Moore. I'm not full-blown panicking on Moore after one bad game from this Bears offense. I think week two, we'll see how they look. Um, If they struggle in week two, then maybe he takes a hit, but I don't want to tank him just because of one kind of underwhelming performance. 
Then we're going to have Zay Flowers. It looks like Zay Flowers is going to be the wide receiver one here for the Ravens. They were scheming him up touches. They clearly wanted to get him involved. I think he's very interesting for fantasy moving forward. Behind him, Tyler Lockett. Lockett just year after year, giving you a really solid production. I do expect that uh, Seahawks offense to bounce back. Then behind Tyler Lockett, we see Jordan Addison. Addison was able to build on his week one route participation. He saw improved usage in week two, and it's really just a matter of time before he's clearly locked in as the number two on this offense. KJ Osborne, like fine depth option. He is not a wide receiver two. We saw that in this most recent game. Jordan Addison scores another touchdown here. Liked him as a prospect. I think he's going to lock up that wide receiver two role and be a really strong option moving forward. And then the final player in this tier, Jerry Judy. I think Judy has a decent shot to play here in week two, maybe a little bit limited. So that's something we kind of have to monitor if you are considering playing Jerry Judy, but I think he's a nice option moving forward. And then the final tier here, this is kind of like the tier dominated by wide receivers in really bad situations. We're going to start it off with Drake London. Obviously, the passing volume is probably not going to be there for the Falcons. Not going to overreact and totally tank them um, after one, you know, sub 20 pass attempt game. Going to wait and see how week two looks. Uh, then we have the back-to-back Bucks wide receivers, Godwin and Mike Evans. I don't think the quarterback play is going to be great. I like the story of Baker Mayfield, but I don't think it's going to be awesome moving forward. And then we have the commanders wide receivers also dealing with some uh, suspect quarterback play. We'll see how Sam Howell looks, but I have McLaurin and Dotson back-to-back. Then we have JSN, very talented rookie, my uh, wide receiver one from this class. We'll just see. He does have a lot of target competition with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but I think he's going to be a guy who kind of builds throughout the season. And then the final player in these rankings is going to be Deontay Johnson. Even though it looks like he's going to miss a few weeks, I still think he deserves to be in this spot. I just think he has a much higher ceiling when he is healthy compared to these other options. Um, Some honorable mentions to Marquise Brown, George Pickens, Elijah Moore, Brandon Cooks, could have seen arguments for those guys getting in. I may be, you know, forgetting some guys off the top of my head, but those were some of the honorable mentions, and that was my top 36. Now, moving over to the quarterback position, I really haven't made a ton of shakeups at the QB position. I still have tier one with Josh Allen, Mahomes, Hurts, and Lamar Jackson. A really rough week one from that tier overall, but I'm not panicking. Those guys are high upside, high ceiling fantasy options. Tier two didn't change either. Justin Fields, uh, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow. I didn't move Joe Burrow down after that week one. I had Herbert higher than him coming into the season. So this is not me like panicking on Burrow. This is the exact same order I had uh, prior to week one. Then in tier three, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. Uh, The one change here was that I bumped up Anthony Richardson. Really liked how they used him in week one. They really weren't like easing him into the game. They were really kind of just letting him rip through a really solid number of passes. They were getting him involved as a runner. So I think he possesses that rushing upside that really makes him belong in this tier. And then tier four, this was the big tier where there was a lot of variance heading into the season. I moved Tua up a little bit after his huge game. I really didn't penalize Daniel Jones as much as people probably thought I would. Um, I was high on him heading into the season. It was just a terrible week one. But if I'm not overreacting to like Burrow and Geno and some of these other quarterbacks' bad games, I'm not just going to tank Daniel Jones for one bad performance. The rushing upside we saw from Daniel Jones is still there. He has better weapons. So I do think Daniel Jones will still put together a nice season. Moved Kirk Cousins up. I just think overall, this is not a great Vikings offense, or sorry, not a great Vikings team, but this Vikings passing attack is really strong. They're probably going to be in a lot of shootouts, which is going to help Kirk Cousins here. Um, You know, paired with Justin Jefferson, 
Jordan Addison emerging. I think he's very interesting in this tier. Then we've got Geno Smith, you know, not tanking him after that bad game. Still has great weapons with Metcalf, Lockett, JSN. And then Dak Prescott at 15, it feels low. It just seems like whatever guy I put at the bottom here is going to seem low, but I think all these guys are definitely in a similar range. And then Brock Purdy wrapping up this tier. He looked good in week one, um, surrounded by just stud weapons. So a nice option here to close out this tier. And then I have one more guy who I think is potentially relevant. That's Jared Goff. I have him in tier five. I think there's like kind of a clear separation between tier four, Jared Goff, and then the players going below Jared Goff. At that point with the wide receivers, like it's pretty much just find the good matchup on some of these streaming options, you know, like a Russell Wilson, a Matthew Stafford, Jimmy G, Mac Jones, all of those guys. You just got to play the matchups if you are going to actually be uh, starting those players. And then the final position here, moving over to the tight ends, actually went through my top 24 at the position. There's a lot of interesting options once you get outside the top like 10, 11 guys. So we're going to start it off in tier one. Nothing crazy here. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, both of these guys missed week one. I expect both of them to be back here in week two. In tier two, I have TJ Hawkinson and Darren Waller. Hawkinson coming off of a really nice uh, Thursday night game. Already had him here at this three spot. Didn't move him up or down. Um, And then Darren Waller, I know there's concern about the hamstring. Even with that concern, I still think he's worth it in this tier. I just think he possesses one of the highest ceilings you're going to get at the tight end position. In a tier by himself, I have George Kittle. I think the target competition kind of bumps George Kittle out of that tier two range, um, you know, competing with Debo, Ayuk, CMC weekly. But I also think he's just a better option than some of the guys going behind him. So he's got that tier by himself. Tier four, it's going to be Kyle Pitts. Dallas Goddard and Evan Ingram. I didn't drop Kyle Pitts after his rough week one. Same thing with Goddard. Didn't tank him after week one. I guess had a decent uh, week two. And then I did move Evan Ingram up. I just really like this Jaguars offense. You got Christian Kirk not even out there a ton. Um, So I think that kind of helps Evan Ingram, the fact that they're not spamming three wide receiver sets. Ingram's just kind of gone in there and uh, carved out a really solid role. So I think he belongs in here. Just a lot of variance in this tier. Kyle Pitts is like the low volume passing attack, but you're just kind of buying into the talent of the player. Goddard on a good offense, but a lot of target competition. Also kind of low volume. Um, And then Evan Ingram on the really strong offense, especially the passing attack. Tier five is going to be Pat Fryermuth, David Njoku, and Dalton Kincaid. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, just very consistent year-to-year option. Not a high ceiling guy, but someone who has a pretty decent floor and uh, should be a really strong option over the next few weeks with uh, Deontay Johnson likely out. I keep going back and forth on David Njoku and Dalton Kincaid. Now that I'm kind of looking at it, I feel like I'd actually prefer Kincaid. On the graphic I have Njoku, they're in a tight spot here. Um, and Joku, we'll see if Watson is really able to take that uh, jump back to what we saw pre-suspension. But he also is dealing with some target competition. Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore. I think both of them are back-end tight end ones. For Dalton Kincaid, his week one usage was really strong. He was out there a ton, running a ton of routes. They were pretty much operating entirely with uh, two tight ends, him and Dawson Knox. I think he'll be able to build throughout the season. And he's also just going to have touchdown upside playing uh, with Josh Allen on this Bills offense. Tier six are going to be two rookie tight ends that I'm pretty high on, Sam Laporta and Luke Musgrave. And the reason why I've kind of separated these guys from the other kind of stream-worthy tight ends is that a lot of those other options, we've seen them year after year, and they've never really been a great fantasy option. Maybe they've been streamable, but they've never really broken out and been like a great option. Maybe one of them, uh, Zach Ertz probably would be the guy, just but he's like a veteran option. So we've got Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave. 
Both had really solid route participations in week one. Both were involved getting targeted. These are the kind of guys I want to bet on in this spot because we've seen it from those other guys and they haven't exactly been able to capitalize. We'll see if Sam Laporta and Luke Musgrave are able to, uh, you know, kind of make that leap here in year one. Moving into tier seven, this is a massive tier. So just going to run through all the names, Hunter Henry, Juwan Johnson, Chig Conquo, Jake Ferguson, Dalton Schultz, Cole Komet, Tyler Higby, Zach Ertz, Hayden Hurst, Durham Smythe. I think it's Smythe, 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 um, and then Irv Smith. This is a massive tier. It's kind of just like pick your guy, honestly, when we get into this range. All these dudes had pretty solid usage in week one, maybe barring Jake Ferguson. He commanded a lot of targets. His raw participation wasn't great, but I do think he can build on that. It is pretty tough to separate all these players after one week because we see the usage, but we don't know if that's going to stick week to week. Some of these guys also had big performances, you know, like Hayden Hurst with a solid day. Is that really going to carry over or was that just kind of like a one-time thing, you know? Komet could go out the next week, give you a four for 50 and a touchdown. It's like, am I going to shoot him up these rankings? I do think this is just a spot. You kind of go out, you pick your guy. Um, so that's why it's a very large tier. These are just players that were pretty involved. And maybe if these players are on waivers, just kind of guys to look out for moving forward. I think Zach Ertz is someone where if he does get traded, he becomes pretty interesting. But even with his great route participation on the Cardinals, it's just a really, really tough offense to kind of produce on at this point. So that is going to wrap it up for my rankings at every single position. Let me know what you guys think down below in the comment section. If you enjoyed, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Any fantasy questions, you can drop them down below. But thank you all for stopping by, and I will see you in the next one.